Thank you for joining us for this podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. The following was recorded live on location in Bourbonnais, Illinois. Would you mind uh, taking out a Connect card? Uh, would you find something to write with? Would everybody take a Connect card or get something to write on and something to write with? It'd be wonderful if, uh, well, I don't know, it'd be really good if you did. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'd like you to write your response on the Connect card. So everybody, I, um, but I, I need to tell you, you won't be turning the Connect cards in. I'm not going to ask you for them. They're for your eyes only. And what I'm going to do is ask you this simple thing. I just want you to write down a name or names in response to the question that I'm going to ask in just a minute. Just a name. And of course, you don't have to play. I mean, if you don't want to, um, you can just think the name if, you, if you'd like. But I want you to know that I think it'd be really good if you did participate and write down a name or two prompted by the question I'm going to be asking. But before we do this, before we play, I, I want to I acknowledge that be, this before I ask the question, that while it's a simple question, it might be harder to do than you think. I'm just, I'm just, I, want you, I want you to know that I know that what I'm asking you to do is a simple thing, but it might be a little, little more different. I think you'll know the name right away, so it won't be that you won't know who, whose name to write down. I'm just wanting you to know that writing that name down might be a little more difficult than you thought. Um, might be harder than you think. Um, again, you don't have to play, but I think it'd be good if you did. Um, no one else will see it unless you want them to see it. And then you'll be putting those cards in your pocket or purse or something and taking them home with you, all right? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is prompted by what today is. Today's All Saints Sunday. Right? Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, not all churches recognize this Sunday. And those who are new to College Church may not even know what All Saints Sunday is. But we've been observing it for several years now. It is the day that the church calls on the church to remember those who are in heaven. To remember those who are with our Lord and to remind ourselves that we are still mysteriously in communion with them. And that's what we confessed at the very beginning of the service. We confessed this morning that we believe in life everlasting, right? Yes, death is not the last word. Yeah, that's, that, is that, does that warrant him? Amen. Death is not the last word, people, right? Amen. Yes. We confessed this morning that we believe in the resurrection of the body. We don't, we don't believe in the resurrection of disembodied spirits. We believe in the resurrection of the body that we in our persons will be raised from the dead. And, and the reason we can believe in life everlasting and the resurrection of the body is because we b- believe we trust in the forgiveness of sins. Our Lord has forgiven us those things which separate us from him. So once we have received forgiveness, there's no reason for not receiving life everlasting and resurrection of the body. And then we confess this morning, I'm running through the creed backwards, I'm going to stop with this one. We confess this morning that we believe in the communion of saints, which is fellowship not only with those who are still living, but fellowship with those who are already with the Lord in the coming kingdom, in the kingdom. Among God's people, there is a fellowship, a communion that transcends even death. 
That's how much our Lord has vanquished death. Among God's people, there's a fellowship and a communion that transcends even death, especially on Sundays when we are worshiping the Lord. We are with all believers who have ever been. And I, I think we sometimes sense it. We just don't know to name it. So, so that's what's prompting the question I'm going to ask today on All Saints Sunday. On this day that the church calls on the church to remember those who are in heaven to remember those who are with our Lord and to remind ourselves that we are still in communion with them. And frankly, I don't know that we do this enough. That is, remember as a church, as a people, those who are a part of the church triumphant, which is the church in heaven. The church triumphant is the church in heaven. And frankly, I probably wouldn't be talking about it today if it weren't for this Sunday being All Saints Sunday. So I'm grateful for it. Um... Okay, at the beginning of the message, I asked if, for, for you to uh, write a name down in response to a question. You ready, ready to write the name down? One more time. You don't have to participate, but I think it'd be really good if you did, even if it's hard. Here we go. Ready? I'd like you to write on your Connect card that no one else is going to see. Who's the first person you will want to see in heaven after Jesus? Write that name down. Who's the first person you're going to want to see after Jesus. And the reason I ask the question that way is because the right answer to who's the first person you want to see in heaven, I mean, the right answer is Jesus, right? And because it weren't, if it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't be there. And if it weren't for Jesus, the person we want, to, we want to see wouldn't be there either. So Jesus is obviously the first person we're going to want to see to express what will be an inexpressible gratitude. I mean, we may spend a whole lot of time saying thank you, singing, thank you, kneeling, thank you to Jesus alone. I mean, when will we have expressed thanksgiving enough to our Lord when we are in the kingdom? When will, that, when will we say, I've given enough thanksgiving? When will that happen? Th that is probably why heaven is forever, because that's how long it's going to take us to say thank you. When, when will we not say thank you? But what's true is there's going to be some other folk that we're going to want to see almost as much, thanks to Jesus. I mean, when we confess that we believe in life everlasting and the resurrection of the body, what that means is that we will be with others in heaven. Heaven's a place, a tangible place. We will be with others in our resurrected bodies who also confess, we'll be with others who also confess Jesus Christ as Lord. So this question sounds like a, theoretical or hypothetical. It's not. Might be good to know before we get there. Who is it we want to see first? So who's the first person you want to see in heaven after Jesus? I need you to write their name down. Did you do it? Did you write their name down? Was it hard to do? For some, it would be obvious. Their name came to you right now, and your sorrow is still so close, you knew right away who it was going to be. Of course, then for others, it kind of feels wrong to decide to choose one person over another. And it's not because you can't write their name down. It's because it's so real. You don't know who, you don't know who it is you want to see first. I mean, it sounds wrong to ask, who do you want to see first after Jesus? So some of you wanted to write down two names. Or we'll get there. We'll get there. Marvin said, or more. Yeah, we'll get there. 
Maybe to see at the same time, or at least in quick succession. So let's do that. Who's the close second? Or maybe a competing first, or who's the one tied with the first after Jesus? So write that name down. So now you have two names down. Who else? Be really good to play. You can just think it, but there's a reality when you're writing it. It seems more real when you're writing it. But of course, some of us, a few of us, some of us are thinking even more than two, indeed thinking as Marvin was, not thinking of just one or two, but thinking of one or two made you think of others. There are others you're wanting to see, every bit as much as these first folk, and you'd be really disappointed if you didn't see them pretty quickly, so I want you to write their names down along with those two others. So who's the third? Let's just write down five names. Write down five names of people you want to see in heaven. I mean, there's going to be, there may be more, and maybe, I don't know, some of you might be too young to know a five folk are in heaven, but others of us, we got scads of people up there. Uh, now, for the, so you know, so it's fair, I want you to know I participated. I, I played this game. It's not really a game. I did this. I'm not asking you to do what I was not willing to do, uh, but of course, I had more time to think about it which is why I asked the questions the way I asked this morning, because those popped into my head. I couldn't write down one. I had to write down more than one, right? But I thought about it Wednesday morning, and I thought seriously about it Wednesday morning as I was preparing for All Saints Sunday. And I, I decided that uh, I want to see Debbie's mom first. That's who I wrote down, Debbie's mom she passed away from breast cancer in 1991. Her birthday was last Monday, October 30th. She would have been 92. And it's been 32 years. But obviously, we still miss her. You never, <laughs> you just learn to live with grief. You never get over it, right? Our boys were nine and seven and four. And, uh, We've missed her. She was a really a beautiful lady. So I thought, I think I'd like to see Debbie's mom first. And of course, if I saw Debbie's mom, I would see her dad at the same time because Jack and Mary are going to be together. Um, they're going to be right next to each other. Even if in marriage, you're, even if in heaven you're not married, you're still going to know other people. And they're going to be hanging out together. But after seeing them and being with them, catching up with all that has transpired in the last 34 years, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about all that went on in the last 32 years, 32 years, I think my second person or third person would be my grandfather, Quantra, my dad's father. He died when I was seven. I still remember him, knew even as a seven-year-old boy that he loved me, that he was safe. It's just can still kind of remember the experience of being with him. And his death was my first deep sorrow. That's when death became real to me, when he passed away in 1963. I still remember where I was when I was told he had passed away. 
And I'm thinking him next because I didn't get to know him very well. And I want to make up for some lost time for sure being with him. And my, my grandmother, Quantstrom, passed away when my dad was 15. I never knew her, and so I'll be introduced to her as well for the first time. But there's a whole lot of other folk I want to see. Obviously, my maternal grandparents, for sure. My grandfather was the chairman of the board at Olivet, and he was an, even in, he was an interim pastor of this church, so he preached from this platform, my grandfather did. And so I want to see him. We'll have a whole lot to talk about. I promise you we'll have a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> Olivet and College Church, we'll be chatting it up. The Jack Puckett's up there among the top ten. He's my mentor in Belleville, a Kentucky gentleman. He was in his early 60s when we moved to Belleville. I was in my 20s. He helped me learn what it meant to be a pastor. And I love Jack. In addition to just seeing him again and being in his presence, because that's what it is, just being with him, I want to thank him. He and I had a lot of holy moments together. I was with him when he died. Deb and I were with him when he died. But before he died, he had Alzheimer's, and I would visit with him in the care facility. And one of the holiest moments I ever had, I've ever experienced as a pastor, was when I was with Jack in that care facility. Um, he was sitting in a chair, he was tied in his chair, and he was very small, and his, he was being fed. He couldn't eat anymore. And he didn't know who I was, and so I'd always go in, and I'd say, hey, Jack, how you doing? Hi there. And he'd look at me, as they do, without knowing and I introduced myself, I'm your pastor, and, and I just wanted you to know that Eulene, his wife, you're doing fine, and you have, you have two sons, and they're doing well, and the church that you gave your life for is strong, and it still carries your spirit. I'd say all these things to Jack, not knowing if he understood them or not, but I wanted him to know anyway. So I'm sitting at the table with him. The nurse leaves, and I asked, could I just sit with him for a while? And she said, yes, and he's still tied into his chair. And he looks at me, and he says, Pastor Mark? And I looked at him, and he was there. The vacuous look that Alzheimer's people have was gone. He was there. He called my name. And I said, yeah, Jack, yeah. He said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And he said, what, what's heaven going to be like? And I said, well, Jack, I wish we had more information on heaven. We can know a lot, but we don't know enough. I wish there was more details. But what I can tell you is this. Uh, you will be with our loved ones. You'll be with your Lord. And the joys that are periodic and fleeting in this world will be constant in heaven. And the peace that is fleeting and periodic in this world is going to be constant in heaven. All the best things that are fleeting in this world will be usual in heaven. The things that we think are valuable in this world will walk on as if they're nothing he said, I said to him, and he said, he was listening, he said, um, that's kindly what I thought. That was a, I don't know if it's a Kentucky expression or his expression. That's kindly what I thought. And then he looked at me again and he 
said, I reckon I'll get there before you. And I said, well, Jack, you know, you never know. You never know. But all things being equal, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you'll get there before me. And he said, that's kindly what I thought. And then he was gone. And then he was gone. Then he was gone. Oh, man, if I hadn't been there that day, I'd have missed one of the most holy moments I've ever had with any parishioner in my life. If I hadn't been faithful to tend to those who have no one to tend to. So Jack Puckett, for sure. Talk about Jack a lot. Dwight Adams, he was one of my dearest friends in college who died from leukemia at the age of 24 in 1977. And we knew he was dying. He fought it for as long as he could. Leukemia treatment in those days was just torture. But we would sit up into the night in Hills Hall because we knew we didn't have much time together. So we would just spend as much awake time as possible trying to figure out this life and his death. 24-year-old young man. And I'll be honest, I'll be honest, Frank, I'm looking around this room, and I know the names some of you are writing down. I know the names some of you are writing down. And uh, I need you to know, they're right up there on my list, too. Um, One of the unspoken mission statements of college churches, we help people prepare for heaven. We want people to know their Lord before they meet their Lord. These are the names of those who have passed away just this year. And we do this, I mean, these are the names of those who have passed away this year. John Hussey and Carol Sue Painter and John, I'm going to do it in order of their passing. John Hussey and Julian Mitten and Carol Sue Painter and Eugene Barwegan and John Wilds and Moonyin Armstrong and Stephen Mitchell and Doug Kremples and Joanne McRoberts and Patty Cook and Beverly Gabriel and Ruth Isaacs and Janet Klein and Steve Gooden and Bill Isaacs and Jan Hawkins Smith Lawn. That's just in one year. So I know the names some of you are writing down. And, and this, this is the, these are those who have passed away who are part of this church. We're not counting some of the sorrow in this room from parents and siblings who have passed away this last year. Right? So who's on your list? Who's the first person you want to see after you see Jesus? Who are the first two people you want to see? Who are the first five people you want to see? It will have helped you to have written the names down. Let's let's ask for one more name. This will be a little easier. Who's the first person from the Bible you want to see? This will be a little easier. Who's the first person from the Bible you want to see? I need to kind of... Already on your list? 
I'm thinking Zacchaeus for me. I want to see how tall he is. That's just me. <laughs> I just want to see how tall he is. Oh, and you've heard me say that, right? Oh, you are a wee little man, is what I want to say to Zacchaeus. <laughs> Poor guy. He's going to get that throughout all eternity. But I was thinking, I was thinking, I thought seriously about it. Mary Magdalene. I think I want to see Mary Magdalene. I want to see the love she has for her Savior. I think there's a long line of people who are going to want to see Peter. But I was thinking, you know, Moses, Elijah. I mean, I bet those folk are some kind of something. I mean, Moses and Elijah, you know, I might be, they might be scary to me. But also, maybe Mary, the mother of Jesus. I bet there's a lot of folks that want to hear from her. What was it like to be Jesus' mom? So who are you going to want to see in heaven after Jesus. And the reason I wanted you to write down their names is because, as I said, I don't think we talk about this enough. And I'm not sure heaven or the, sec- or the coming kingdom, I'm not sure heaven or the coming kingdom is enough of a reality for us who live so much for today and who live so much in this world. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let me say it more honestly. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we don't consider enough what the Lord has promised those of us who have confessed him as Lord. And I don't think what we call heaven or what the New Testament calls the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, I don't think heaven is enough of a reality for those of us who live so much for today and who live so much for this world. I think we put down some pretty deep roots. And it eclipses the promise. Uh, Some of it, sometimes we're we're afraid of because of this little quip sentence, we're so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. I mean, I've heard that. We're so heavenly, all those Christians are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good, right? All they're doing is thinking about heaven. Well, yeah, that's close. Maybe some are like that. Here's what I think is more true. We are so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly good. That's where I think we are today. We are so earthly minded, we are of no heavenly good. I think that's more true. But what's true, and we'll all discover this eventually if we don't know it yet. This is what, uh, this world is not enough. Maybe, you don't, we, maybe some of you haven't discovered that, but this world is not enough to contain what the Lord has created us to be. And what the Apostle Paul wrote is true in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, says the apostle Paul. This is our gospel. But if it is preached that Christ has been, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection from the dead, of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Folks, if Christ has not been raised, this doesn't make sense, what we're doing today. 
Our coming together on the first day of the week, on the day of resurrection, is proclamation and testimony that Christ has been raised from the dead. This doesn't make sense if he wasn't raised from the dead. We're not about moral improvement here. It is, the testim- it is confession of Christ as Lord that changes us. Christ as resurrected Lord. We can get help on how to manage this world in other places, but this is the place we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And then Paul wrote this, and if Christ has not been raised, then he wrote this, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If death, folks, is the last word, then evil wins. If death is the last word, evil has won. If death is the last word, then what else the Apostle Paul wrote is true. If dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. I could not live in this world in any meaningful way if death was the last word. If there was not life everlasting in the resurrection of the body. If those I love cease to exist, then end the pain early. Christ has not been raised from the dead. And the guarantee of eternal life, the guarantee of everlasting life is resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people the most to be pitied (laughs) because we're believing a fantasy. And so the reason I asked you to write down the name or names of those you want to see first in the kingdom of heaven is because it needs to be real. We don't think about it enough which is why this Sunday is so important, All Saints Sunday. We at least ought to think about it once a year. Now, we're not, we've not been left in the dark about it. We know more than we think we know. Jesus talked about what awaits those of us who confess Jesus Christ has already talked about it. I mean, most of us probably would go to John 14. We would know John 14. Jesus to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that what I've told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. What an incredible promise. Not only will we, we're going to have a place. That he's preparing for us. The Lord is preparing this for us. And then, of course, the Lord gave John a vision of what was to be, of what was that we can't see. I mean, we're familiar with Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, meaning no more chaos. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, Jesus said, I am making everything new. Wow. So this world is not all there is. And this world doesn't have to be enough. I mean, there's a new creation coming. There's going to be a new world, absent sin and death and sorrow and pain. I think we probably knew about John 14 and Revelation 21, but we may not have been as familiar with the passage we read this morning, Revelation 7. 
After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, which is the way you would recognize a king. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders asked me, those in these in the robes, what are they and where do they come from? And I said, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. The significance of this vision, at least one of the reasons this vision is significant, is because of the description of those who are going to be a part of the kingdom. What did the Lord reveal? After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Folks, it's going to be an eternal day of Pentecost. So do you know what else won't be in the kingdom in addition to no more death or mourning or crying or pain? You know what else won't be in the kingdom? Any differentiation between people based on class or race or culture or nationality or gender. There will be no more hatred based on class or race or culture or nationality or gender. Galatians 3.28 will be completely realized. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. We'll finally be one. We'll finally be one around that throne. Philippians 2 will be completely realized at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess, acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord. And the Lamb will be our shepherd and we will be sheltered with his presence. Shalom will be realized. There will be true and lasting communion between God and all peoples and between people and all peoples. That's what awaits us, folks. That's our future. And part of the blessedness will be being with all of those who have gone on before us. Part of the blessedness will be no more separation from those we have loved so dearly. One of the advantages of living a long time is there are going to be more people in heaven we know, right? A lot of our friends will already be there. Won't be as lonely. And the reason I wanted you to write down the names of those you're longing to see is because, as I said, we don't think or talk about this enough. Heaven, the coming kingdom, is not enough of a reality for us who live so much for today and who live so much for this world. Every concern here is penultimate. It's second to ultimate. The ultimate concern is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the reason the coming of the kingdom of heaven needs to be more real, and I've said everything I've said so far to say this, 
The reason the coming kingdom of heaven needs to be more real is because the world needs to be, I'm gonna start, start over. The reason the coming kingdom of heaven needs to be more real to us is because that world needs to be informing how we live in this world. We're supposed to be bringing a little bit of heaven into this world because we're living the hope of the next. Hope isn't wishful thinking. Hope is living the presence of the future now. That's hope. And for us who have been given these promises, the distance between heaven and earth is not supposed to be so great. We as followers of a resurrected Christ are supposed to be living that resurrected life here. And the beauty and peace of that coming kingdom is supposed to be revealed among us even here, even now. We're supposed to live so much the promise of that kingdom that we're bringing that kingdom into this world. Oh, and this is so important, folks. If we think this is all there is, then this is all there's ever going to be. But if, we, but if we live thinking there's more, then we'll start bringing that more here. It is an eschatological vision which changes the world. It is a vision of the coming kingdom that changes the world. So yes, we mourn the passing of our loved ones. The difference, let me, the diff, let me show you the difference. We mourn the passing of our loved ones. It's a deep pain But we don't mourn as if we have no hope. We don't mourn the loss of never seeing them again. We don't mourn the loss of missing them forever. No, we mourn the loss of missing them for now. We mourn the loss of missing them here. But even with that, they're more here then than we know. They're more here now than we know. And everything's going to be reconciled. Everything's going to be reconciled. Everyone will be reconciled. Everyone will be reconciled. Which means we ought not to have to wait for that either. If we're going to be reconciled in the realized kingdom of heaven, we might as reconcile to others now. Why wait? There's going to be no differentiation in heaven between class or race or culture or nation or gender. Then there doesn't need to be differentiation here either. The reason the coming kingdom of heaven needs to be more real is because that world needs to be informing how we live in this world. We're supposed to be bringing a little bit of heaven into this world because we're living the hope of the next one. And for us who have been given these promises, the distance between heaven and earth is not to be so great. We as followers of a resurrected Christ are supposed to live that resurrected life now. And every concern and burden in this world is penultimate, second to ultimate, not the most important. And the beauty and peace of that coming kingdom is supposed to be revealed among us. Let me show you what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be like us. I mean, what did Jesus teach us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, folks, let's live the fullness of the promise. Hope 
is the witness. Hope is our evangelistic strategy. How they died was the witness to a pagan world with grace and peace and longing and hope. How they died was the witness. How they lived anticipating the kingdom was the witness. Hope is the witness, folks. And this world needs that witness. Why aren't you afraid? Why, why should I be afraid? Our Lord has conquered death. He's been raised from the dead. Why are you so full of peace? Because the Lord has promised peace. Why do you have joy? Well, how could I not? But for those of us who are living only in this world, it's pretty hard to come by, but those of us who are anticipating the next, why it comes into this place. And there's one more passage from the book of Revelation I'd like to read this morning. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come his bride has made herself ready fine linen bright and clean was given to her to wear the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. So one of the images our Lord gave us of that coming kingdom was of a wedding banquet. Of course it was. It's the first miracle. He gave us a sign of it then in the Gospel of John. And the images our Lord gave us is of people sitting around a table in fellowship with each other with great joy. The best of all Thanksgiving dinners. And you know what? We get to anticipate that wedding banquet and the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You see, the Supper is not only to be a remembrance The supper is supposed to be a sign and a literal foretaste of the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's supposed to call us forward. It's supposed to, it's the appetizer of what we will, of what we will receive. So today we eat at the Lord's table in anticipation of eating at the wedding banquet tomorrow. And I want to say something more. What You're almost done. Guess who else is at this table? Guess who else is at the table? The one whose name you wrote down. They're at the table too. And so we confess right now and right here the communion of saints. Today, we receive the sacrament 
as a sign of not only our Lord's fellowship with us and not only a sign of our fellowship with each other, we receive the sacrament as a sign of our fellowship with those who are at the table now, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Would you share the sacrament with your neighbor this morning? overwhelming reminded that the same night that our Lord was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying take eat this is my body which is broken for you after supper he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink ye all of it this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sin do this often and as oft as ye shall drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, uh, forgive us for such a narrow vision. Forgive us for only seeing what is and not for seeing what will be. Would you call us forward, Lord? Would you call us forward? Would you strengthen the hope that you have given us? Would you help us to live that next world so well that it just overwhelms us and it visits us in this world? May we bring you honor and glory by living in this world confident of what we will receive in the next. Oh, Lord, may we be defined by our hope. And we need your help to do this. Would you work this grace in us? Would you give us hope? And Lord, help us to Enjoy the company of everybody around this table. Thanks for setting the table for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, may it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. blood of our Lord Jesus Christ which was shed for you may it preserve you blameless under everlasting life take and drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and let us be grateful and so we say thank you and so we say thank you this morning been listening to a podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. If you care to join us for worship, we meet each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at 200 University Avenue in Bourbonnais, Illinois. We also offer a full range of activities, classes, small group meetings, and events throughout the week. For a complete list of what's going on at College Church or for more information on how you can get involved, please go to www.collegechurch.org.